0: so much, Jonathan maybe some, and uh, and so um, just using me and, you know, Emily, she's like seven, she came up to the sign that um, had uh, this height to ride the roller coaster, and so we'd come up there and stand real tall and stand on my foot, you know, that kind of thing so she could ride the roller coasters. If not, I was riding alone, but I don't know, some people are roller coaster people or some people are not. You know, some people go to like, um, like they live that, they're like Facebook Roller coaster buddies and stuff. That's weird. So um, I did want to mention you've been getting some emails. You've seen some of this. Uh, the, so we've been talking about we're going to be uh, suspending the Wednesday night for the, the kids ministries for a few weeks. And in my head right now, I don't have the uh, dates, but you see it in the emails and you'll, you'll see it on the screens and some things like that. Um, here's part of the reason with that, because if you know me at all, you know, I don't like to do that. It, I, I hate to do that. Especially in the summer, you miss so many opportunities to connect with the kids and everything. But we have had, this is, this is the weirdest time I've ever experienced in, in ministry. It's, it's, um, a lot of our department heads and leaders, are, are many of them have moved. Many of our, our uh, leaders in kids' ministries have moved. Some of them are saying, I've just I've been doing this forever. I need to take a break, that kind of thing. And so literally every single department head uh, that, that um, has, is not the same person now, um, or not there at all. Some of them we started replacing. but um, And then all of the different uh, leaders and ministries and things like that, we just we literally do not have enough leaders to, to accomplish some of the things that we're trying to do. And rather than make Krista, I mean, she's already been on the job for a month, so I don't know why I'm being so nice about this, but uh, rather than make her try to figure this out, uh, we're, we're suspending some of that and letting her recruit, letting her do some of those kind of things, and then we'll pick back up in a few weeks right before school starts, Uh, with our wednesday night service for as far as the kids ministries Royal rangers girls ministries now I will still be here on wednesday nights, okay, but i've even i've told all of our leaders You guys don't have to be here. You don't have to show up You don't have to do that stuff take a break relax, you know Whatever the case is. I know sometimes some of the um Some of the 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 kids leaders downstairs are saying, you know I don't ever get to be a part of wednesday night. I'd like to do that sometime This may be a chance to do that if you want but but i've even told our pastors if you don't uh, want to be here, do something. You're going to be recruiting, doing whatever, uh, hanging out with the family. Just go. Um, but I will be here because uh, I like this. I really like it. I've got a lot of subjects. I've got a whole list of subjects I want to cover this summer. We're going to start a series uh, right at the time of school start, uh, a Francis Chan series. We're going to do it on Wednesday night. And so I've got a bunch of stuff uh, that we're going to do between now and then. So if you want to show up on Wednesday nights, you're welcome to. Um, I'll be here may just be me, although I've had uh, Tim Ligon, our missionary, said he would be here with me. So Tim and I will be here together. Uh, this, is, this is a crazy season. I've never, I've never had it where, like, every department head is gone, stepped away or gone or done moving or something at the exact same time. I've never seen this like this, uh, especially in a church our size. So, I don't know, it's, it's, it's just a strange, strange place to be. So looking at some of these um, subjects I've been talking about, again, this is not really a series. It's kind of a sort of a series. It's They're themed. In my head, they're themed together, but they're really just things about Christian walk and, and basic disciple, uh, being a disciple, and basic maturation and things like that. But it's kind of the series, if you want to say it that way, is, is this mentality of being all in. I talked about this some last fall, and what does this mean? And I think, again, I think we're... we're um, I think that this is a time frame that the church, specifically right now in America, the, the church has to really process this. What, what, is the, what is the future of the church? Are we really all in with Jesus, or are we, are we going a different direction? Are we doing something else? And we can see at different times in history where the church has uh, gone different directions. And so I think this is a pivotal place in the church's existence. And I, and I think it's important for us as Church of Gate. where are we? Who are we? What are we doing? We, I talked about starting at the beginning of the year, that our vision for this year is pursuing God, and in specific areas, but really pursuing God. What does that mean to pursue God? God, I need you. I need I need the things about you to be in charge of my life, and and uh, and the direction and the foundation, all this other kind of stuff. And so, three basic things in pursuing God. That uh, th- this was a series at the first of the year, but just to remind you that we're pursuing the presence of God, we're pursuing the will of God, and we're pursuing the power of God, and that is in all things of our life. That we're pursuing the, the presence of God in our our family, marriages, in our workplace. We're pursuing the power of God in, in our relationships, in our, in our physical bodies, all these kind of things, pursuing God, really really intentionally, actively going after God. I showed this video um, <clears throat> this, the, last week. I showed three of videos last week. I want to show just one of these this week. And uh, just as a recap, I won't go into all of who Jordan Peterson is. Again, I introduced him last week. I, I really like the guy. But just remember while we're watching the videos, he's an atheist. He does not believe in God. I had a couple different people uh, after last week say, so why are you showing a video uh, of an atheist? Is, do you, does that mean you agree with everything he says? Well, if he's an atheist, I don't agree with everything he says because he doesn't believe in God. I believe in God. So we disagree on some things. I really like him, though, and I like a lot of what he has to say, but... But the reason I'm showing this is not because of all the things that I watch to like about him. This is one that's just very revealing and very convicting that I think the world sometimes understands uh, what what a what a true God mentality and God walk is in ways that sometimes the longer run the church, the easier it is to kind of water it down and let it be something that it is not. Let it be a very um, limited of what it could be kind of thing. And so again, Jordan Peterson uh, talking to us about what does it mean. So, Believe in God, and the title of this is, um, Who Dares Say They Believe in God? Go ahead.
1: Say, I believe in God. It's like, okay, well, that's hypothetically pretty impressive, I would say. It's like, you believe that there's a divine power that oversees everything that is fundamentally ethical, that's watching everything you do, and, um, and you believe that. And so, what effect does that have on your behavior, if you believe it? Does that mean that you're well are you full are you all in on your beliefs? Are you sacrificing everything to this transcendent entity that you proclaim belief in? Have you cleansed yourself of all your sin, let's say? are you making all the sacrifices that you need to make? like have you taken the mote out of your eye no I, or, 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 or are you in the same situation, let's say, that the Catholic Church seems to be in right now?
0: Now, I mentioned uh, last week, I won't go down the road, he talks about the Catholic Church and the pedophilia and stuff in the Catholic Church. But What his argument is, is um, the church says they believe in God, and the priests that say they're the representation of God to humanity are, is doing all this stuff. There's a disconnect. They can't, those cannot be compatible. Well, rather than point at the Catholic Church and pick on them or ask questions about that, to really look inward to ourselves and say, okay, what are the things that potentially could be incompatible in who we are in our relationship with God? If we say we believe in God, or do we really? Are we all in? Do we really? Do we really um, in, in all the different areas. Last week I talked about relationships. If, if you're a Christian, you're, you should look at relationships differently, uh, and your relationship should look differently than the world. If you're not a Christian, then it makes sense that you would have relationships that are self-focused. But if you're a Christian, then your relationship should be them-focused. Your relationship should be about people and about God. It shouldn't be about you. If you're a Christian, that's the way it should be. And through that, then, uh, there are some things that become about you because of of the natural way of looking at it. It's the same way of looking at God. If, if your Christianity is about you, you've, you've messed the whole thing up. It's, it's, it's a very twisted perverted Christianity. It's not in fact, to my estimation, it's not really Christianity. If you're a Christian, then everything in your life should be about God. Now, God is about us. He's all about us. But the moment we allow our Christianity to be about us, we mess up the whole God being about us thing. Our Christianity is supposed to be about God, not about us. God's about us, we're about him. And when we mess that up, it, it throws everything out of balance and confuses everything. In our relationships and everything, I'm going to talk about money this morning. Money, money is a major thing. It affects every single one of us. Every, every human being, money affects us. And it cannot. I've, I've heard people say, you know, I'm not really about money. It's impossible to not be about money. You may not have the same mentality or, or approach to money that somebody else has, but money affects all of us. Everybody's different. We all think differently. I was I was talking about this a couple weeks ago with my uh, son Isaac, that all three of my children, they look at money differently. Every one of us in here are going to look at it. He, he doesn't look at money the same way um, that I do or that I think people should. Uh, he doesn't look at money the same way. That's not the right way to say it, because the other half of that conversation is a very giving person, very, very giving. Money isn't um, as... Um, as ownership mentality in his world he 's a giving person he, he he'll do things for his brother he'll just buy stuff he'll he he wanted to to buy something for me the other day and I kept telling him no i I'll, I'll beat you up and that kind of thing so i i mean he 's just a giving person, but money doesn't look the same in his mind that it does in his brother's mind or in or in his um, sister's mind it's just different here's here 's a way to look at this process it this way because everyone else are going to be different and by the way this isn 't good or bad this has to do with personality to a great extent. Some of it can be um, environment. It really does play into it, but, but personality plays into this strongly. When you think about money, how do you think about it? When you think, let's say a, a, a chunk of money, uh, you're going to get a bonus at work or something like that. How do you think about it? Oh, I can put that in savings. That's one thought process. That's one way of looking at money. Oh, I can put that in savings, which is uh, for a rainy day. Right, that's what that's what savings kind of thinking is. Right, some of you will think about it like this: you're going to get a bonus, chunk of money. Oh, I can apply that to this bill and this bill and this bill and get those paid off. Right, thinking it like that. Um, then there's another category which you got a bonus before it actually gets to your bank. You've already decided the things you're going to buy. Right, I, I'm kind of more in that category. That's more I me. Mean, although I really do, I'm, I'm really much get out of debt, don't have bills. So I really do put things on bills. I can't stand bills. I can't stand debt kind of bills, right? I don't mean like the water bill. I'm saying interest-bearing. Scripture talks about that. I'm going to mention some things here in a little bit. But, but I'm kind of the one that, hey, what will that buy, right? We're all different. That doesn't, those are not goods and bads, by the way. Depending on uh, who you're married to and how they look at it, they can make you think it's bad, but it's not necessarily bad. You got to be you sometimes, even if you're going dead, you go in debt. No, that's not true. That's bad, actually. So, but to think about what does it mean financially to be all in. See, here's one of the things that we do in Christianity in general, but specifically Western culture. We do this: we categorize things in our life, and we put some in the category of, I'm saying personally, not like the church. Personally, we categorize and we put this in the camp of God, and we put this in the camp of self, and this in the camp of God, and and we and we. Um, allocate certain mental emotional uh, spiritual direction to things and and we tell ourselves that's okay and we tell ourselves in the same uh, conversation that I'm really all in where you can literally be holding entire areas of your life separate from God and and tell and then tell yourself but I'm all in. I've seen that in relationships I've seen it um, I've seen it with uh, parents with children, that sometimes they they cannot let their children go. Their children don't belong to God. They belong to them, and they don't want to have the conversation. And I can give you example of real people, real circumstances, real situations where they would not give their children to God. And it costs them and it costs their children. And Money is one of these categories. It's such a big category in our life. And and there's so many variances of what money means or finances or whatever. There's so many different layers and variances of that. And, and some of us in this room hold back and we say, well, I'm going I'm to give God this and you know, I give God my heart and I give him my family. And but when it comes to money, we don't give God our money. But then we tell ourselves, but I'm all in. And the way Jordan Peterson is saying this here is, can you really be all in if you're not all in? Don't you have to be all in? And, and if you say you believe in God, shouldn't that demand that? I know the other side of it is we're still human. There's still fallacy with us. Um, We're going to struggle in different ways. But there's a difference between saying, I'm all in, but I'm making mistakes. And there's a difference between that and saying, no, I will not let God have this area of my life. Those are two different circumstances. We've got to make sure that we're we're doing what God has told us to do. So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is a great little section of Scripture. This is... is, um, <clears throat> the Israelites are going to go into the Promised Land, and, um, and and there's so much here financially. There's so much that has to do with with finances and earning money, and uh, not just earning money, but earning wealth. I would say wealth was a, would have been defined fairly differently in those days than it is now. For us now, wealth is really like um, uh, 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 decimal points and zeros and stuff like that. But there was too much. There was too much more involved: animals and land and all that stuff. Then, but. Acquiring wealth, and what does that look like? And then being blessed of that and have an abundance or not having abundance. I mean, there's so much in this, uh, just a few scriptures here. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 6, it says, So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in His ways and fearing Him. That, that's the key, walking God, fearing Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys Hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, figs, trees, and pomegranates, uh, of olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and, and nothing is lacking. I, I believe that there are a few things that happen with us that, that we don't necessarily process. And some of specifically Pentecostal charismatic uh, uh, church culture actually uh, messes up some of our, our some truth when it comes to these kind of things, when it comes to understanding money and wealth and, and some of this kind of stuff. I, I believe that, that God shows us over and over in Scripture that you can go through seasons and times when you are when you have a lot, and you can go through times when you have less, and those are all at the hand of God. Okay, they're not... Having less doesn't mean you're not a good Christian, and that's something that, that the Pentecostal Charismatic, we've taken certain elements of that so far that we really believe, we, we built a doctrine... That it's not as common nowadays, but it used to be pretty strong. That Jesus died on the cross so you can be wealthy. And, and I don't believe that. I do know that God blesses us, and He wants us to, to be financially blessed also. And I think that is very consistent through Scripture that God will take care of us and He blesses us and all these kind of things. But, but guys, just one story, and we can we can we can give twenty of them. But just one story: the story of Job. Job was the godliest man. And God allowed everything to be taken from him. It, didn't, it wasn't because he wasn't godly. But if you build a theology that says that, that if you're a good Christian and you're doing the right good things, then you will be wealthy, then anytime you're going through times of, of a trial that God is putting you through, you'll assume it's Satan. But when it's actually God, God will take us through lean times and he will take us through blessing times. And he talks about that in this scripture. He talks about both of these. But he'll take us through times when things are very difficult. He's still going to provide. He's still going to take care of us. But they're going to be difficult. You're going to have to be um, uh, more struggling and fighting for things. Then you've got times that are times of blessing. And, and God wants to be the God over both of those. And he says right here, it is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. And this is an important thing, I think, to, to, specifically in America, I think we have to start with this point. The fact that you are in America means that you are in a land that is flowing with milk and honey, and that you are in a in a culture that has plenty. Even though I know the pundits on TV talk about how there is horrible poverty and all these things and all the, that, but, but the I'm going to say something here, and I normally don't say it like this. I'll make little jokes and stuff, but I'm going to say this very strongly. P- please listen to this. If you don't understand what I'm saying or, or believe what I'm saying, it's because you don't understand truth when you hear it. This is important. Poverty in America is wealth in most other countries. And we have to understand that. Because we buy into the mentality that there is just so much poverty and so much power, And God has blessed this country enormously. And here, just, just do this. Just Google a few things. The, the reason that, that people believe that there is just this horrible poverty in America is because they've never been anywhere but America. Go other places. You, you, would, be, you would be astounded by what true poverty is. And somebody mentioned to me after first service, and I thought this was interesting and, and truthful. He was talking about um, all of the, uh, the tent shelters and the homeless camps in Los Angeles. that And Los Angeles is not the only place. But it's interesting that they are working toward regression. They're trying to make it legal to poop in the streets. Some places it already is legal. That's regression. I've been in India where the, the poorest of the poor of the poor would see that as the base. And, they, and they, would, they would argue, why would you do that? Don't you have any self-respect, dignity? Google this just to see if I'm just totally crazy. Google a handful of things. Put something in like, how many cell phones do homeless people in America have? I'm not, I'm not joking. We laugh at that because it's ludicrous. How many vehicles do, does uh, the, the poor in America have? Are there poor people? Sure, but it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. And when you're in a country like America, almost all of those people could take a step up if they desired. Not everybody, but most. When we think about poor and we think about blessing and all these different things, guys, if you live in America, and I assume you do, you are blessed in ways that the rest of the planet is just not. They're not blessed. They don't have stuff like we do. They don't have food like we do. So that that's one of the things when you... And part of the reason I say that is because I've, I have had to remind myself. I go through times when, when I'm, I'm struggling with, you know, is God providing for me or taking care? Not providing. God always provides for me. I've never questioned that. But, I, God, they have more. Anybody else ever thought something like that besides me? Well, God, they. Why don't I? I've literally said this. I'm going to read this scripture here in a little bit. But I've literally said to God, Lynn and I have discussed this together. When is the storehouses of heaven going to open and pour on me? Right? You don't have to raise your hand, but anybody else ever thought that kind of thing? When, when I slow down enough and look at it, God has done that more than I could ever ask. God has opened the heavens more than I could ever hope I'll give you one. This is just one that God is showing me in ways I didn't think possible. Lynn and I talk about this all the time. My granddaughter. I don't know what to say. I just look at a picture of her. I just look at a picture of her. I'm like, God, you can't bless more than this. You can't. And then I know Someday I'm gonna have more. I hope. <laughs> we should pray. Let's all pray for me right now. What I do? My son sent me a little video there. Well, he was telling me about it, and uh, my, uh, this was a few days ago. My granddaughter was sick. She woke up. She her second day of of uh, nursery. Uh, not nursery. What do they call it? Daycare. She started daycare because my daughter in law got a job there, and they, they now she gets to go to there to daycare, and all this. Like, whatever so and uh they want to mistreat their daughter whatever but either way so uh the second day she gets sick that happens when you go to daycare right well she's only as tall as the toilet so my son sat in front of the toilet and she was holding on to the toilet and just throwing up in the toilet and he said she'd throw up and look at him it's the only word she knows for for uh this is not a good moment she'd throw up and look at him Uh uh-oh She'd throw up again. Uh-oh. <laughs> and she just kept doing that. And he just laughed like crazy. He said, it's the cutest thing I've seen. He said, my heart's breaking because I wish she wasn't sick, but I wanted to throw up again. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, "What is there anything better in life than that? See, here's the thing. We are very, very blessed people, but sometimes we don't think we are, and we get upset at God. And we, we, and, and by the way, I don't think that's horribly bad. You've heard me talk about this. If, as a Christian, I think it's important that you learn to talk to God when you're not happy with God. We weren't allowed to do that, at least from my perspective. We weren't allowed to do that when I was growing up. You didn't say anything to God like um, why or whatever, although it's all through Scripture. It's every, David David complained to God more than anybody about other people. If you're, if you're mad at God, tell God. He's the best one to tell. Here's another thing. If you don't believe in God, if you're really struggling with His, uh, whether He's real or not, tell Him. I'm tricking you there. You may not know it, but, I w- but I'm tricking you with that one. Talk to God. Talk to God about this stuff. But understand, when you're when you're looking at finances, when you're looking at your existence, you're looking at life, you may not be able to have something that somebody else has. But I can promise you, you are already, already, hands down, every one of us in here, you're already blessed. You're already blessed. Because you live in a land flowing with milk and honey. And that's that's a lot of things. That's opportunity. It's a lot of things. It says, It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. I've, I've often wondered about this particular sentence. What it means to thank God and be thankful we we have a little joke in our family when it comes to prayer time for praying for meals. How many pray for a meal? Pray before your meal. Um, did you know that's not necessarily a rule God made? Did you know that? I mean, there's some things that you could say. Ah, oh, it's kind of what, but it doesn't actually say in the Bible. Pray before you eat. In fact, let me read this again. When you have eaten, praise the Lord. So according to this sentence, when should you pray? After you eat. That way you know whether you enjoyed it. You know how to thank God. Right? And, and it, I, the first couple years we were married, it doesn't exist now, Linda's an amazing cook. The first couple years we were married, praying for the meal was a, was a true petition before God, right? <laughs> Lord, you know where we're about to go here, and it's probably not, it's probably not, you know, that kind of, I'm just kidding, honey. I'm just funning with you. It's true. Shall I tell the story of the smoke? And Okay, so I'm preaching now. All right, so. It's my time up here. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's amazing how we look at little things like this. We have a joke in our house when we pray. We always wait for Linda to pray because she gives in. She'll say, okay, let's pray. Or I'll say, let's pray for the meal." We'd always wait. Because we know Linda's not patient. She'll pray. All right, I feel like I'm telling you more than I should. So. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Look at all the different things, the provision stuff he's talking about. But this is the time to be careful. Wow. When you've eaten your fill, praise God, but be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, And when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from the slavery in the land of Egypt. The people he's talking about here were kids in slavery in Egypt. He said, don't forget it because I have brought you from somewhere to somewhere. Guys, this is what is easy for us to miss or forget or not process properly is what God has already done. What He has already provided. And that should do a few things. It should show you He's going to continue. The the fact that you are alive right now is a testimony to God. That He is taking care of you on so many different ways that you don't even know about. But that you're here. And he's taken care of, and he's provided, and he's done things. He's blessed you. He's blessed you with so much. Even if, even if life is very, very difficult, maybe you're in that season, or maybe you would say, this is my entire life is a season. Okay, I, I would argue with that at some point. Because I have felt like that at different times. You understand what I'm saying? I have felt like my entire life has been a bad season at different times. But then I don't later because I recognize some things that God has done. I recognize some provision and some some uh, um, protection and all these other things. He says, when you get to the point where things seem to be going well and life is moving forward and you're being blessed in all different kinds of ways, don't forget that God is the one who is the provider, that God is the one who's taking care of you. Here's just a basic foundational thing. The fact that you're born in America is proof that God is already providing. God is already doing things that is not the same for other people around the planet. He's already given you more. We've got to see that and not just to say, well, you know, this is about me. Look, look how he says this. Be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey His commands, regulations, and decrees. Verse 14. Do not be proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery. Verse 15. Do not forget He led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, where it was so hot and dry and gave you water from a rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness. Now listen to these. He's going to go through, listen, he's going to say something at the end. Tom, water from a rock is the first one. Fed you with man in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you. Look at this. He gave you water out of a rock, he gave you man on the ground, but he did this to humble you. You mean he's providing for us to humble us? Look at the, the bigger picture. Where is He providing? He's providing in the middle of the snakes and the scorpions and the dry, dry hot place. He's providing in the middle of that. And He says, in the middle of all the negative, in the middle of all the stuff, I'm still making sure that you have food and water. Now, look what He says. He does this to humble us and test you for your own good. You mean God would test us? In the area of provision, protection, finance, and stuff like that? Yes. Now, if you have a mentality that says God only wants you to be wealthy, well, then, no, that doesn't work in your th- theology, but that's not actual biblically. So so here's the thing. is God Does God test us financially? Sure he does. He takes us through difficult times. He still provides. He's always going to provide. But you don't have the excess. You don't have the wealth. You don't have all the stuff. And he says he's doing this to humbly and test you so that you will depend upon him in the good. When you're learning to depend upon him in the bad, you'll depend upon him in the good. And we go through these different times in our lives. God doesn't want everything to just be a, a perfect for you. He doesn't. He doesn't want to um, make everything fluff in your life. You don't grow in those circumstances. You don't. You don't gain. You don't move forward. There's no. There, there's there, there, there. It's just. You enjoy the the downhill run. but He says he's taking you through the difficult things to humble you so that to test you. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord our God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. In order to fulfill the covenant, he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath, which is basically saying for us to put this in today's context, the reason God takes us through difficult times is to, to, to test us, develop us, try us, so that um, we remember that this isn't about us, it's about His kingdom. That it's about Him. And that's the struggle sometimes that we allow to creep into um, our Christianity when we, when we have this kind of a wealth and prosperity foundation it is, well, God's blessing me so I can have. That, that's not what it says. He's blessing you so that you can reveal God so that God can get the glory so that this is about his covenant his direction even the New Testament where it says I, I, I want you to, to uh, uh, bless to, to be uh, to be blessed and prosper even as your soul prospers the focus there is not the prosper it's your soul it's, the, it's your spiritual walk so you say okay, Well, does does that mean I'm supposed to be poor? Now, it's not a. This is not a, a wealthy or poor subject. This is about a heart after God subject. Sometimes you'll have times of blessing. Sometimes you won't. That is not dependent upon your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is what that is, and those things are just outflows that God is doing at different times. Now, do I think that God wants to bless his people? Sure he does. And sometimes he gives us things just because he loves us and doesn't have any other purpose to it. He just loves us and he says, hey, you know, have this or do this or whatever. But, but at the end of the day, if we're not careful, we begin to say, oh, my spiritual walk is good. Look how God is blessing me. And God says, that's not it. The blessing is because he chooses. Your spiritual walk is your direction. And then God does some cool things along the way. He blesses. He does stuff. But he says, I don't want you to to get to the point where you say, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord our God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. He gives you life. He gives you opportunity. He gives you the breath to breathe to do this kind of stuff. I've had this conversation with many different people in many different ways over the years. Well, yeah, I mean, I worked for that. I'm, I'm, I'm intelligent. I worked hard. Okay, but where did you get intelligence? Well, I, you know, I, I can put my two hands to the work, and, and I can work hard. Okay, but there are some people that don't have two hands. There are some people that can't get out of a wheelchair and do the job you do. To, to process this, we take so many things for granted. Instead of saying, but God, It's you. It's you. It's you that does this stuff. I'm just serving you. As we serve God, he does things. He blesses, but he says, remember, it's him. But I assure you of this, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. Just as the Lord has destroyed other nations in your path, you also will be destroyed if you refuse to obey the Lord your God. And that, Those two sentences right there go so against American Christianity. God would never do something like that. God's biggest priority for you is serving Him. That's it. His priority for you is serving Him. Everything else is is after the fact. Everything else is details. Everything else is secondary. His primary for every one of us is that we bow before a holy God and give him our existence. The, the primary focus in all of this is the heart of God that we follow him. Finances is secondary in all of this. Finances is secondary through the whole thing. He'll talk about, I'm blessing you, I'm taking care of you, I'm going to provide. you got wealth, you got these, but remember me. I'm the reason, I'm the focus. Okay, you can, prov- you can do this, you can, you can gain this wealth, but remember, it's not you, it's me. All of these things, it's about God, it's about God, it's about God. Your finances it 's about God, and this is one of the things that, that a certain percentage of us in any setting in this setting right here in this room a certain percentage of us will struggle in in committing to God financially now the best that I can say this now partly because this is an arena that i, I i've never really struggled with I, I struggle in other areas, but this is just one from a from a young kid I, I begin to give to god i've never it 's never bothered me in my heart i don 't struggle with it. I, part of the reason is because, I think, Lynn and I have gone through some major times where we just literally had nothing, and I was pastor of a church, things like that, and uh, and you just you just have to rely on God. You say, well, you could go do something else. I could, but that's not where God called me to, and so I'm stuck. I have to rely on God. I have to. I have to, and so I have no other choice. I can complain about it. I can get upset. I can do something. I have to rely on God. And I think that just so ingrained, I just, I've never struggled with this. But, I, but here's what, I've had many conversations with people that do struggle with this. But, but let me say this as, as plain as I can. As long as you struggle with this, you're going to struggle in this. As long as you struggle with God being in charge of your finances, you're going to struggle financially. And that doesn't always mean you're going to be poor, by the way. It means the things of areas of your life that you're struggling in are dealing with finances. The the, the concept of finances. Let me give you an example that's kind of on the reverse side. But this this is what I believe is directly related. When you've got somebody that's just a crazy, crazy workaholic, workaholic, and they end up losing their family over the deal. They weren't just workaholics just because of the job. There's there's things that drive people. And and you're driven, 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 driven for money. You can lose some of the things that are way more important to you than money because you haven't trusted God. You know, put that in God's hands and said, God, my work is not my God. You are. And sometimes that means backing off at things that you're doing for work. Now, I would say for most of us, and specifically the younger generation, please don't back off from work. But you understand what I'm saying. I'm chasing that, and I lose my family in the process. When do we just say, okay, God, I, I'm going to take a step back because I trust you. I tr- my 401k, I trust you. Well, the, the bills need to be, I trust you. Instead of losing things, losing the most important stuff because we're chasing the things that we think are most important. And God says, I'll tear this whole thing down. You build whatever kingdom you want, I can tear it down. You can build whatever life you want. I can tear it down. You can build any kind of mentalities. I can tear it down. Because at the end of the day, God desires you to serve him more than anything else. And tearing down things of our limited human existence is nothing for God. Because his goal is that we serve him completely. That's that's very difficult in our context. Well, God would do that stuff? He just said it. He said, I've done it with others. And I'll do it with you if you don't get your mind and your heart and your spirit all in with me. Guys, this includes finances. Broke this into a few categories. These all come out of the major block that I just read, but I'm going to add some different scriptures and, and break it down for us. The first one is that God gives us the ability to create wealth. That comes from God. Now, I'm a, I'm a hardcore capitalist, okay? I believe strongly in a capitalist system. I think all the other stuff is just goofy. In fact, I think most of it is, is, is Satan-manipulated. Communism, socialism, all that stuff. People say, well, uh, capitalism breeds uh, greed. Everything breeds greed. Human beings breed greed. Right? Capitalism is the only system that we have on the planet that's ever existed, financial commerce type of system, that potentially allows non-greed to be there. What do I mean by that? Go to any system on the planet that's ever existed. Anytime there's a capitalist system, people give more to religious groups. They give more to the to homeless and all kinds of things. Why? Because when you're working for your own money, you get to decide what you want to do with it. And when you, when you make money and you get to decide, you'll help those along the way. Human nature does that sometimes. It's, it's amazing. Socialism doesn't exist. Communism doesn't exist. People don't give in those systems. Right? Now, Why am I saying all that? I'm a hardcore capitalist. I believe in capitalism. I believe that America is amazing. You can make money. You can do things. You can do things in America you can't do in other countries. It's amazing. It's amazing. But at the end of the day, I don't think God's a capitalist. I think God designed systems, and he lets us figure out how to chase after him in those systems. I mean, I think he gives us the freedom to create the context of the system. He created commerce. He, gets a, he gives us the ability to decide capitalism. Okay? Now look at this. This is an interesting sentence. God gives us the ability to create wealth. You can't do that by yourself. It's a God-given thing. Proverbs 22.2. Two, two. The rich and poor have this in common. The Lord made them both. Now This is an interesting sentence. Because it, right in this building right now, some of you have gone one direction with this sentence and some of you have gone another direction with this sentence. Okay? Here's the two options. Think about which one you thought about. Does this mean that God creates people, all people, some of them are rich and some of them are poor? That's one way to look at this scripture. Another way to look at this scripture is God creates poor people and he creates rich people. That one kind of has a little different negative context, right? I think both of them have a negative context and a positive context. Because if God creates everybody and he allows some to be poor and blesses some to be rich, that means it's not fair. But what's even worse is if God creates some poor people, he creates people poor and he creates people rich, well, that doesn't seem very nice either, does it? There's no way to win on this one if you're God from human perspective. And you say, which one is the real way? Um, grammatically it's the first one but practically, scripturally it's both you mean God creates poor people? of course he does how can he not? babies are born in India that means he creates some people poor right? are you following my train of thought? you say yeah but potential, I'm not saying potential, I'm saying when they're born what are they? poor I've been there, I've seen it, where they don't have anything. Do you realize that people in, in, in India, and, and there's other places around the world exactly the same, but people in India, there will be some people that will never have a house their entire life. They will never have a house. They will never have um, access to uh, clean water. There are people in India that will never have something like a cell phone or have more than one pair of shoes. This is just a normal thing, and there are many people in India that don't even have one pair of shoes. Well, if we believe that God creates all humans and he breathes his life into them, that means when he breathes his life into babies being born in India, that he's creating poor people. Now, here's where we have to be with this. God is just and fair at all places all around the world and all time frames and everything. It is our wealthy, pampered American thinking that has a struggle with God actually creating poor people. Because we've had it so good so long. I was thinking about this this week. I saw, I saw one of our senators, our liberal senators, went to this uh, place where kids are going without food or something like that. And they were, they were um, it had to do with immigrants and things. And these, they walk in, the senator walks in with like 30 people And uh, 25 cameras and all this stuff. And there's like 40 kids in this little uh, center there. And, And this senator spent an hour and a half talking about how these kids don't even have a sandwich to eat today. They don't have any food and they don't have anything else. And then they all packed up and left. And I'm thinking to myself, you can't buy a sandwich? Why don't you, all the people there, cameramen included, buy a sandwich? Instead of just make a big political thing, buy a stinking sandwich. How hard is that? But we would rather have politics than really care about people. It's, it's, it's a joke. There are poor people, there are rich people, and according to Jesus, there's always going to be both. But here's the thing. If you have the opportunity and you understand, you must understand it's an opportunity if you have an opportunity to have wealth, you better remember the poor people because Jesus remembers them. Jesus remembers every one of them and the struggles they're going through and all the stuff that they're going through. Does God bless his kids? Yes. What happens when a kid in India gets saved? Do they get a new car and a new cell phone? Do You understand how American thinking is, is, is very perverted in Christianity? Well, I want to be blessed. I'm a Christian. I'm going to to quote this scripture. I'm going to do this stuff. And God's going to give me all this money. Okay, then why doesn't that apply in other places on the planet? Because God is trying to get us, as the people that are blessed, to do something about it. Instead of thinking money is about us, wealth is about us, blessing is about us, it's about God, and as Christians, we're supposed to know it's about God. Same with the relationships. As Christians, our relationships are supposed to look different. It's supposed to be about them. The second thing: God must be served in all things and everything. Luke 16, 13. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, why does the Holy Spirit inspire Luke to write that? Jesus is saying this. Why? Why does Jesus say this? And why does Luke put it in the scripture? Because as human beings, we're always going to struggle with this. It's not just the people standing in front of Jesus. We're all going to struggle with this. You can't serve God and money. As soon as you start getting some money, you're going to be tempted to serve that money. You're going to be tempted for that. I had a pastor years ago. I was his youth pastor. And and, um, he said in the middle of service, it caught me off guard. It just was not the way he said things normally. But I don't even remember the sermon. I assume it was something to do with money. But, but I remember this statement. He said, I pray all the time that God would burn down your motorhomes and sink your boats. I thought, that's not nice. And he said, you pray and you pray and you pray. God, I'm broke. I have no money. I need you to bless me. You pray and you pray and pray. God, I need that promotion at work. I need um, more money. And you pray and you pray and you pray. And then over time, God begins to bless. You get the money. You get the promotion. You get the stuff. Then you go buy a boat and you skip church. That has stuck with me 25 years. The things we're actually praying for sometimes can lead us astray. It can lead us down the other path. Instead of saying, God, I'm going to commit to you in all things. Psalms 52, look what happens to the mighty warrior's Who do not trust in God. They trust in their wealth. Instead of. Instead and grow more and more bold in their wickedness. And he's seeing a correlation between the trusting your wealth and wickedness. They go hand in hand. What happens to the warriors? They're destroyed. Number three. Pride and selfishness will destroy you. And pride and selfishness is so. This is why. This is why Jesus said it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich man to get to heaven. He's not saying the wealth itself is the problem? It's what happens in our heart. The more we get, it's normal human nature. It's our sin nature, crawling, cra- uh, clawing for more, constantly cr- clawing for more. I've had this conversation with people at different times. Um, what, what would you do if you won the lottery? What would you get? You know, you've, if you could have any amount of money, what would you do? Or what would you, whatever the case is? And most people say they would quit their job. That'd be the first thing. I would say this. I wouldn't quit my job. I love doing what I'm doing right now. I would hire a couple people to do some things I don't like doing. But uh, I, would n- I would never counsel again. That's not true. But uh, I would I would my life would look different, right? But here's the thing. I've thought about this. You know, people that win the lottery, almost all of them within five years are bankrupt. There's something in human nature there, isn't there? There's something messed up in us. The more we get, the more, you know, I had an interesting conversation this this last week. I was talking to a guy he walks up. I was at the fireworks stand. He walks up. I'm talking to him, and I'm just, you know, I just I just start conversations just to see and see if they can lead to witnessing. Okay, my goal is to try to witness to him, but I don't push the issues. So I just I'm having a conversation, and and uh, he gives me a USAA card, and so I know he's military somehow, and so I say, "What branch of military?" And he tells me, and, and he's and he's in he's got a cane. And he's walked about 30 years old. And he's and he's struggling to walk with his cane. And I said, Did that come from being in the army? He said, Yeah. And then he had a little boy with him. He just began to talk to me. And he said, You know, I'm on full disability. He said, and I hate it. I hate being on full disability. He said, I want to be in the in the army, and I can't be. Because I'm disabled. He said, But I want to be in the army. I didn't want to leave. He said, and I want to go out and get a full time job, but I can't do that either because I'm injured he wasn't upset at the army or anything. He was just saying, I'm just, I'm stuck. And he said, and I don't like this. He said, I feel useless. And I told him, I said, in two weeks in the church, I mean, I talked to him for a little while, but then I told him, in in two weeks in in church, I'm going to be speaking about what I think is a very important, defining thing when it comes to who God is and what it means for us to believe in him. So I'm going to be talking about purpose and peace and how they work together. How you have to have purpose in life. This is one of the things, if, if you won the lottery right now and you had an endless amount of money, a couple of basic things would potentially happen. Unless you're completely all in with God and use it the way he says. You, you take purpose off the table because you don't need to work toward anything anymore. You have what you want. Unless you can figure that element out. And that's why people become bankrupt, become miserable. Most marriages disintegrate when somebody wins the lottery. All the different details. I mean, you can statistically look at all this stuff. Why? Because we're taking some very foundational things of how God has designed us off the table. Purpose, direction. Um, really uh, seeing God as the head of everything and giving to others. Really thinking about that, working to give, not just having an excess money. You know, not like not like Congress who doesn't mind giving all kinds of money that they don't have to people. That's not what I mean. I mean you working for the money and giving it to somebody. There's something about that. Giving it to a missionary, doing something. He says, <clears throat> in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, yet true godliness and contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came to the world. And we can't take anything with us when we leave it. You know we know we know that. You know, I was naked when I was born. I'll be naked when I did. I don't know because I've never seen anybody in a coffin. But either way, so I I understand the mentality, but here's something. We don't live like that, do we? We don't think like that. I had nothing when I came in. I'm leaving. with. We don't think like that. We don't live like that. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation. If you're desiring to be rich, That's an unhealthy place to be. I want to be rich. Why? You haven't said... There's not a why involved in that. It's it's a very destructive direction. People who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Most people say money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's not what it says. It says the love of money. Your heart, all of this is about your heart, your attitude, your direction in life. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Verse 17, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. That's when, when the Lord is talking about blessings and wealth and stuff, that's primarily what he's talking about. Relationships, connection, helping people, thinking. He's not talking about money. Most of the time, the Lord's not talking about money when he says that kind of stuff. This is what he's saying. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works. Money is just the tool. The good works is the focus. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for for the future, so that they may experience true life. You understand he's not talking about a 401k. He's talking about spiritual building up. Spiritual. The fourth thing is that God's system works. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Should people cheat God? You have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. I I went back over the last couple of weeks. I've gone to every place I can find online and looked at all kinds of different theological... um, Buildups for people that say uh, tithing is not a New Testament context. So it doesn't, it's not New Testament. Tithing only is Old Testament and we've moved on. And I went to all of them again because I hear this over and over. And, and guys, it's not true. Tithing is a, is a universal God system. It's not a temporary thing. And God didn't do away with it from the Old Testament to the New Testament. People say, well, it's was part of the Mosaic Covenant. It was part of the Abrahamic Covenant. Except Ab and Eve started this. And then God established it later through the the Levitical priesthood. But Adam and Eve were the first ones to do it. And then Jesus himself says, yes, and he praises the Pharisees. He says, you're doing good with the tithe. You're even tithing on garlic and cumin. He said, but you're missing the heartbeat. He said, so you should tithe. He didn't take it off the table. But he said, just like he does everything else in the New Testament, he raised the bar. Same thing he did with um, adultery. He said, adultery in the Old Testament, you sleep with a woman, it's adultery. It's not your wife, right? It's adultery. Um, But when you look at this woman later in the New Testament, after grace, after the cross, if you look at this woman with lust, that's adultery. So same subject, didn't take it off the table, he just raised the bar. It's now a condition of the heart. He does the same thing with tithing. Jesus said you should tithe, but now I'm going to be looking at your heart. So I guess in the Old Testament you could tithe and really be upset about it. But in the New Testament, you can't. I mean, that's that's what he's saying. So when people say tithing isn't New T- is not New Testament, guys, they're wrong. They're wrong. They're wrong. And they're taking, a, 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 they're taking something to their own humanistic hands, and it's going to hurt them. It, they're wrong about this. Tithing is New Testament. Plus, God says, are you, you, are you cheating me? Yeah, when you don't tithe. Do we not cheat him after the cross? Is that not possible anymore? Okay. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the heavens of Lord's armies. Which proves to me that Walmart is not getting their fruit from tithers. Because those, that fruit comes off the vine way too early. Some of like, man, that's solid right there. I'm just... Proverbs 22, 7. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is a servant to the lender. Stay out of debt. Stay out of debt. Do everything you can to stay out of debt. Save up. The wise have wealth and luxury, but spools, fools spend it whenever they get it. Right? Stand with me if you would. Guys, we have an opportunity to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm giving you myself financially. I'm giving you myself so here's what you have to do. You have to decide about everything that I've talked about and read, read from scriptures. You have to decide this. This is not somebody, something somebody else can decide for you. You have to decide. I, I, I may be totally full of it with all of this. But at the end of the day, when you stand before God, he's going to say, were you all in with me? You can't be all in with just some things. If you're struggling with finances in here, just talk to God about this. I don't mean struggling financially, I'm saying struggling with giving finances to God. And this isn't an offering thing. This is an attitude. Giving to God is an attitude. It's not a tangible. It plays out tangible. If you're struggling in this arena, talk to God about it. Tell him, God, I'm, I'm struggling. Show me something. Do something in my heart. Whatever, God, whatever you want to do. You'd be amazed at what God can begin to do. If you just let go and trust God, trust him, financially you'll be amazed at what he can do with you financially let's pray God we, we commit this to you we commit our our, our hearts and our minds in the arena specifically of finances God we commit this to you Lord I want to be about you financially I don't want, want to be about me God being about me gets me in so much trouble God I make bad decisions when it's about me. Lord, you know my heart. You know I don't struggle in giving to you or any, I don't question it. I don't think twice about it. I don't think what could I do with that money. But God, I, you do know that I do struggle sometimes trusting you. At the end of the day, I've done all my part. But then God, I question sometimes whether you have done or are doing your part. So God, I ask you to break the stronghold of that in my life. Lord, I want to trust you. I just want to trust you got to pray for every one of us in here, wherever they are with this, whether it's trust or whether they're, they allow um, selfishness to get in there, maybe greed. I mean, we we have all this stuff. God ask you to to break the strongholds all across this room. Break the strongholds, the things that Satan whispers in our ear, things that Satan tries to convince us of. Lord, help us to realize that if we abandon ourselves to you, you will take care of us and provide will provide for our families God you will bless us we'll go through difficult times and good times but God you will always take care of us and God you will bless us and I believe you'll even bless us financially so help us to get it help us to own it in the name of Jesus in Jesus name Lord I speak your word over every one of us your word over us that you want to take care of us, that you want to do things. God, we got to be all in. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I'm I'm praying this week that um, you'll have some aha moments, wherever you are. We're all all dealing with this. We're just in different places, but that you have some aha moments. I don't even know what that means, except that somewhere along the week, you'll have this moment where you go, oh, and then whatever area you're struggling with, yeah, God did provide her. I can trust God. Or wait, I can do this. Or God is the one that provide gives me the ability to make money. Or whatever. That you'll have an aha moment sometime this week. Maybe a few of them, where you just pause a little bit and go, okay, thank you for that, God. This is I'm gonna move. On, I'm gonna move into that direction. Okay. So I'm gonna be praying for you. Do the same for yourself. Do the same for others. However that looks in your life. But so before noon tomorrow. God's going to give you the opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Do the best you can. Tell somebody about Jesus. God will honor it in your life. It's a guarantee. So shake somebody's hand. Hug their neck if you're so inclined. And we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your afternoon.